0: hello my friend and welcome to this episode of the daily walk heavenwards podcast this is father Stanislaw, and i'm so glad that uh, i have an opportunity to journey with you this week and sharing with you god's word you probably noticed that uh, last week i didn't upload an episode that's because i had some technical problems i'm trying to solve them but the quality of the recording was not good so i decided to skip it all together and uh, but we continue to move forward and uh, this week we have a wonderful opportunity to learn from jesus about an attitude that uh, we all need to have an attitude that allows us to remain in the abundant life that he wants us to have let's open our hearts and minds as we welcome god's word into our lives
1: let us pray O oh God who showed the light of your truth to those who go astray so that they may return to the right path give all who for the faith they profess are accounted Christians the grace to reject whatever is contrary to the name of Christ and to strive after all, that, is, that does it honor. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. And when the sun rose it, it was scorched, and it would wither for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, but some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy in, is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear but not understand, you shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of these people, they will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I said to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower, The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. As a family, as a church, we are taking another step forward in our life, in our Christian life, and uh, we are spending time understanding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus, last year, in the, last year, last Sunday, and the Sunday before, used the expression little ones. Means those people who understand that they are children of God, and they want to live in this way. And we learned that to be a little one, to enter into this relationship with God as disciple of Jesus, we have to let go of ourselves, pick up the cross, and follow Jesus. What does it mean to pick up the cross? It means that we who live as children of God must develop a mindset that is shaped by God. We see things from the point of view of God. We value what God values we love whomever God loves you, loves in the very same way that God does. Why? Because we partake of His life. So we are not just one looking at the other. We partake. We are growing in union with them. Isn't that amazing? This is the mystery of Christian life. But of course we want to ask ourselves, what does it mean? What are these values that God has? Because they have to become ours. We have to change our mind. That, that's the meaning of the word convert. To convert and to repent means to change my mind so that I can behave in the right way, so that I can walk on the right path. And we are constantly doing this, changing our mind so that the values of God can become ours. Okay, so what are these values? I want to know because... That's what I want to put into practice. I'm pretty sure you also want to know. If you don't want to know, that's what you're getting anyway, so. But um, so the parables help us in doing just that, entering into the mind of God, into the mind of Christ, so that we can get something. We can get these, the meaning the, these values. Parables are tools that uh, uh, wisdom teachers use in order to make a point without making the point. Making the point using something easy to understand, and usually these parables have images that stay with us so that we can keep thinking about it, because they are based on everyday situation. The parable of the sowers that we heard today is a parable that shows up, you know, the, the other three gospels in the three gospels, but it's one of the special parables because we actually get the explanation from Jesus. Okay, so we now know that there is a sower, there is seed, and there is soil. We have to understand what they are so that we can understand something about God, and then we understand something about ourselves. So the sower, of course, is the Father, is God, or Jesus, who spread this seed very extravagantly, almost like he is not responsible for the seed. Why? You just don't spread seed on rocky ground. Right? We know that it's not going to do anything. And yet the father spread his words. We know that the seed is the word of God. We heard from Isaiah in the first reading that this word will not return to him, to God, until it bears fruit. So what does God do? He spreads it everywhere. Like you. You don't do that. And did you notice that even on good soil, the seed goes before the soil is plowed? Well, God apparently doesn't care about how we do things here on earth. He just wants everybody to hear his word. Everybody is a candidate to be part of his family because God loves all people. We heard that, right, not too long ago, that he lets the sun rise on the good and the bad. He lets the rain fall down on the good and the bad. God, what is lesson number one in Christianity? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So there he goes. The the, the seed goes everywhere. And then he hopes that something is going to happen. And then there is the soil. The soil obviously is us. And you know what? Unlike the soil in the parable, we can be any type of soil. As a matter of fact, maybe some of us here may feel it's very rocky. There is nothing going on right now. It feels like I'm I'm done. And yet the Word of God is there too. God never gives up. And He can see the potential of that soil even though you may not. Maybe some of us are completely taken by what's happening to the point that there is no room for prayer, that there is nothing because the anxieties of the world, of the the pandemic, the the social unrest, all create some kind of reaction in us, and the Word of God seems like it's not going anywhere. Yet God says, I'm I'm trusting. I'm going to put a lot of seed in there too. Why? Because I can see the potential of your soil, of your heart, even though you think the, the the anxieties the world is winning over and even the people of good soil they said don't give up why because things can happen that they make us feel a little bit rocky later on we are constantly looking and we are we should constantly ask god to help us to make sure that the soil becomes always fruitful able to receive the seed so that the seed may bear much fruit. That's the Christian life from this parable. We understand, therefore, that just as God does with us, spreading the seed on every type of soil, we must do the same. Every single person, whether close or far away, whether we know or don't, must receive the seed of God's Word, must receive our love. We become a seed of God's word when we live the gospel and bear much fruit. So we might think, oh, my neighbor, no way. They can never receive the word of God. They are so bad that, well, no, God doesn't give up on us, right, and we should not do that either. We are also learning from Jesus how to be the sower, the type of sower that he is. Did he discriminate on soil? No, he didn't, thank goodness, because we may be one of those are we going to discriminate who's going to receive the Word of God? No, we can't. Why? It's not ours, it's His, and He's telling us, you keep spreading, then I'll take care of the rest. Amen? So, we receive, regardless of what we're feeling is going on in our lives, God is giving us His Word, and He's telling us, allow me, like the psalm said today, it's a beautiful psalm, they said, I'm taking care of your land. Allow me, to water it, allow me to take, make sure that all the weeds are out so that the seed of the Word can bear fruit and we can yield. Not just a little bit of fruit, right? How much did he say? It's an extravagant fruit. People at the time of Jesus, at, in that particular area, they were not even able to imagine 30-fold of profit from whatever, whatever they planted. It was, the return was incredibly meager, and yet Jesus is saying, that's what God wants from you. You receive one seed and He's going to give you a harvest, a plentiful harvest. Isn't that amazing? This is the God that we worship, a Father, God that we call Father because He loves us so much that He wants us to produce much fruit. How can we enter into this parable and put it to practice? How would Jesus tell the story today? so that we could put into practice, understand this mystery. First of all, Jesus has been saying for quite some time that in order for us to hear, we have to have the right ears. We have to turn it on. You know that before becoming a priest, I was a teacher. And I was always telling the students what my parents have been trying to tell me for many, many decades. Put on the listening ears. Because sometimes I hear things, Nothing goes in, okay? Especially something to do with chores, with things in the house. My mom would tell me to do something, and I I would look at her. I don't know what she's talking about, okay? The listening ears were not on. So, Jesus is saying, you have to listen to it. And I remember when I became aware of it, I was, and I'm not very proud, so I'm sharing my failures as well with you. I went to visit someone, and uh, I said, hey, how you doing? And this person happened to say, well, not that good. I'm really being tested. And I was not paying attention. So I said, oh, that's nice. (laughs) 0.5, right? It's like, wow. And you know what? It it, uh, It took me a long time to regain the trust of that person. I wasn't listening. I was expecting him to say what? I'm fine. How about you? You know, sometimes we have this script that we play in our mind, but guess what? He didn't follow the script. So now that I think about it, it was not really my fault, right? It was his fault. He was the to say, I'm fine. But no, he said, I'm not doing well. And I said, oh, that's nice. Yikes. I have a friend of mine that, uh, someone I know, that whenever, you know, I might say, listen, um, I, I really need to tell you something very important. Can you turn the TV off? The TV doesn't go off. So I said, Well, can you mute? It d- does not take back. It d- Can you mute? Doesn't mute. He lowers the volume. Because even though he's been watching the same news cycle for the entire day, and you know what they you know they beat the dead horse, you know, they keep going and going. There might be a change in a comma that he needs to know. So he's looking at me, he's listening, but he's capturing, you know, part of his attention is on the television. <laughs> So sometimes I tell him something and after two or three minutes, he comes back exactly what I said. Like, why don't you try to do that? I told you that I have done this and this is what happened. Are you listening? Sometimes we get distracted and we do that with God as well. God is trying to tell us something. He's trying to plant the seed of the Word of God and we don't mute the world. We just lower the volume, right? Because we never know. We might catch something. Well, the one who loves us is speaking to us. And he's telling us, guess what? The more you listen to the world, the more you buy into what they're saying. And what they are saying is, you need something. You are lacking something. The world, the word of God is telling us, we have more than we need. Jesus said, I've come so that you may have life and life in abundance. And we go, oh no, I still need stuff. Nowadays, the, the buzzword is scarcity. We are in a culture that is based on scarcity. And there are major works being done, a lot of voices going around developing this point. Probably some of you are familiar with the works of Brené Brown who started with a a fantastic TED talk a couple of years ago, and she is a scholar she's a um, social worker and did a lot of work on shame. And now she's doing a lot of work on vulnerability and she talks about how scarcity, this mentality that we need something, that we don't have enough, is shaping our way of thinking. For example, she says, we wake up in the morning, and the very first thing we say is, I didn't get enough sleep. Scarcity, right? We are lacking for something. Or then we close the day, we go back to bed at the end of the day, and it says, I didn't take a lot of items off my to-do list. It's never enough. And we keep hearing from the world that unless we have that thing, we will never be happy. We will not be as productive as we want to be. So scarcity creates in us a tunnel vision. Scarcity creates in us this mentality that I have resources out there are not enough and I have to compete with other people to get something. You remember when the virus, the first cases of the virus came into the United States? What did we do as a nation? We went for toilet paper because there was not enough. It it was respiratory, it is, something that attacks the, the lungs, not other parts of the body, but we went for toilet paper. And we were going crazy. People were saying, it's amazing. And one of my neighbors shared a role, like, okay, now that becomes valuable. But we live in a world, in a society that always makes us think that we need one more thing in order to be happy as we want to be. And what does the parable say? That God is telling us, you have plenty. Let me plant the seed of the word and your life will be happy. What is the difference between focusing on scarcity and focusing on abundance? Scarcity tells us, you, there is something wrong with you. You are not enough. You are not enough. You have to prove to yourself, to other people, that you can compete. The life of abundance that comes from knowing I'm a child of God says, I have, I am a child of God. My esteem comes from that, not from what I have. And therefore, my mindset allows me to live in the freedom. So things now are there in order to help me, but they do not tell me who I am. Do you understand the difference? So in order to enter into this mindset, we must make sure that we hear the Word of God attentively. Listen, you remember my friend to whom I said, oh, that's nice, when he said, I'm not doing well. I was not paying attention because it was an everyday conversation. But what happened if I was in a house on fire, and he would come to me and says, I only am going to give you one chance. I'm going to tell you how to get out of the house And that's it because I have to go and help somebody else. And it says, you know, you get out of the room, turn right, there are the stairs, you go downstairs, the door is right there. What do you think my attention span would be, my attention, my focus would be? 100%, right? My life is at stake. Jesus, when he talked about him being the shepherd, he said that the sheep is matter of life and death for a sheep to be able to recognize the voice of the shepherd. It's the same for us. The world out there, there is a lot of confusion. Now more than ever, we must remain focused on the Word of God and allow Him to shepherd us to where we want to be, to where we want to go. To understand how lucky we are that we can focus on the abundant life that God wants us to have and work very, very hard to let that scarcity mentality out of our mindset? How do we do it? Gratitude. If we become more and more grateful, and for every single thing we focus on how much blessed we are, we snap out of it and start seeing things for what they are, a gift of God to all of us. So, for example, I wake up and I've not had enough sleep. Well, at least I'm thankful that I'm sleeping on a a mattress. It's not very simple. Take a shower. Hey, God, thank you for inventing water. This is pretty cool. You are here in a a church, uh, sitting on a chair in the pews. Well, I don't know who built them up, but I'm grateful they did. And I can ask God to bless that particular person who built the chair, built the church, and everything else. You see, the more we remain focused on what we have received, we realize how much we have And abandon the way of the world. As we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that He's inviting us to remain focused on the harvest that He wants us to experience and start valuing what He has given us, His own Son. And uh, the more we ground ourselves in the love that God has for us, the more we are able to welcome the Word and allow it to grow so that indeed our lives may be an example for all people. Of what we are truly experiencing that God in us can indeed be the most wonderful gift that we have received and understand that each one of us loved by God are worth the blood of Jesus and that's where we find the beginning and end of our true identity in the abundant love that God has for all of us.
0: I hope you felt encouraged and inspired to meditate upon the great gift that God has given you and make some choices that will allow you to move out of this mentality of scarcity, always in need of something because we don't have enough, and remain grounded in the abundant life that God wants us to have in Christ. I'll wish you well. Uh, Continue to pray for me and uh, as you are assured that I am praying for you so that we may continue together to take step after step every day and move heavenwards together. God bless and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.